there's really no boundaries with desserts. Do you know what I mean? Um, the creative side, and it, it is like art, you know, for me, you know, art on a plate, you know, seeing people love my food and that, that kind of like really drives me forward to like, to be better. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. There's a real art to pastry and desserts. In fact, it's often the part of a dining experience where a chef has the biggest license to thrill. But how do you build the foundation and the skills to get to a point where your creative flair can truly bubble to the surface? Joe Ward is an award-winning pastry chef. Joe, how are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thanks, Huck. How are you? I'm really good. Uh, you've been doing amazing things your whole career but you've ventured off on yourself at the moment for you, what's going on yeah i thought i'd take a little bit of a sidestep from um restaurants um uh, obviously coming from society and um, working with martin ben i kind of was a little bit lost um after that after that where to go to and um you know what to do from there so i I kind of decided to branch out on my own, build my own brand. And, um, yeah, I've just uh, been working on a lot of uh, pop-ups and collaborations and cooking demos and private events and stuff like that. So that's been uh, quite fun and uh, rewarding. So, yeah. Was it a hard sort of leap to make from, you know, you've been in so many restaurants all your career. Was it, was it easy for you or was it a hard move? Yeah, it was uh, – it's different. But, yeah, um, as I said, it was uh, – you know, like I just – I didn't want to work just anywhere for just anyone. Do you know what I mean? So um, I really kind of wanted to showcase what I could do without having any boundaries or limitations. So, yeah, it's been great. You've been doing sort of pop-ups and working with different people. Does it does it sort of make you think differently about your craft and the, and the art of what you're doing? Um, yeah, obviously working with, like, different people and um, – different figures like really kind of push you um to do better and like in your career i feel um you know you learn a lot from every everywhere you go and everyone you work with and um you take something from from them i guess everywhere and you kind of like build build yourself um to be the chef that you want to be Mm. I, I want to explore sort of what you're doing and what your plans are for the year ahead as you sort of venture out on your own and build your own brand. But take us back to when you were young. Um, what sort of role did food play for you growing up? Um, I grew up in a really small town on the coast of uh, New South Wales called Port Stephens. Um, and, yeah, it was a small town. Obviously, there wasn't many restaurants. There wasn't a a lot of opportunities um, as a chef. Um, I yeah, I was a very simple eater. Mum didn't. Mum kind of cooked like that meat and three veg kind of situation. Um, we we ate a lot of seafood. My mum's partner at the time was a professional fisherman, so I would help him. You know, go fishing. We you know catch all sorts of things, and you know we would eat a lot of seafood. So um, yeah, the ocean and seafood is like quite close to me. Um, so yeah, like I wasn't really introduced to gourmet food um, when I was young, um, and yeah, I actually wanted to be an architect. Like I wasn't actually interested in being a chef um, until yeah, kind of I started out at the local hotel um, washing dishes, and yeah, I just was like super shy. So I was like, you know, head down, bum up, you know, just washing dishes, did a really good job, and then I started helping out. Um, you know, the chefs, you know, do do some prep prep jobs and, you know, played up for the buffet and whatnot. And, um, yeah, they just kind of said, you know, you're really good at this. Have you thought of, um, you know, pursuing a career in food? And uh, that's where it kind of all started. Um, yeah. 
So tell us about those first couple of years after you got your foot in the door. What were the really important sort of venues and people that you worked with? Um, yeah, so, so obviously I started um, at this local ho- hotel. I kind of worked my way through um, each section and I kind of felt like, you know, I didn't want to qualify in one venue. Um, you know, I wanted to learn more. I wanted to like know more. Um, but also at the same time, I didn't want to venture away from the ocean, you know. So I was kind of, what, where can I go that I can learn as much as I can um, but still be close to the, the water? Um, so I thought an island would be um, ideal, you know. Um, everything's kind of made on the island and I could learn from, uh, yeah, I could learn from like many chefs, you know, did, like, there were several different outlets, different styles of restaurants. So, yeah, I decided to move up to the Sundays and um, finish my apprenticeship um, at Hayman Island, which was one of the better, best um, resorts up up in the Sundays at the time. Um, and, yeah, I, I started out there as a, what, we, what we used to call a fruit bat. So we, we just basically cut fruit for the breakfast buffet from, like, 5 o'clock in the morning till lunchtime. And, um, yeah, it was quite monotonous. But, you know, obviously I didn't want to stay there. So I was like, you know, I need to kind of get somewhere that I'm going to really, like, learn something. So I, I asked my boss to introduce me to uh, the pastry chefs. Um, they had, like, this really well-equipped pastry kitchen with a bakery attached. They made all the bread in-house, everything. They had a chocolate room and I was just like, you know, I was just like I was in awe um, and I, I needed to work in there. So I would finish my shift as a fruit bat and I, um, I would go into the pastry and I'd just, you know, do all jobs for them, you know, separate eggs, like, you know, just watch them while they did their chocolate showpieces and just like – really tried to show them that, that, you know, I was dedicated and that's where I wanted to be. And then, um, yeah, an opportunity opened up in there. Someone left. So I got in there and, um, yeah, I was basically taught from the ground up by um, really European classically trained um, pastry chefs um, that were super hard on me. So, uh, yeah, it kind of like really pushed me to like um, strive and like learn more. Um, I, I used to like, take my chocolate piping bag home and practice my chocolate writing and my chairs back in my room and just like just wanted to be better and better um yeah so that was a fun time pastry is such an exacting science in those early days when you were learning your craft do you remember sort of where any sort of stories of where things went wrong when you were sort of trying to master it Oh, yeah, there was a lot of times that things went wrong. I mean, like, souffles were, like, they still a bit of a, like, a little bit of a, a sore point for me. They're just, like, quite stressful in my opinion, you know. I've had a, a lot of uh, failures there. But, um, yeah, no, it was great to learn from these, um, you know, classic trained chefs. They were very, very hard on me. Like, I learned techniques. Like, I wasn't allowed to use a th- thermometer for um, checking the temperature of sugar, you know, I had to use my finger and feel it. You know, um, tempering chocolate, we, we used our lip to, to test the temperature. There was never any thermometers. And, yeah, I just learned, the, like, the real basics, like, you know, and now, you know, I don't need, you know, the equipment. You know, you can kind of just see when things are ready and, you know, you can you know you can tell by just looking at things what's going to happen and what's going to go wrong or, yeah. So that was a really rewarding experience, I think, um, starting out up there. Living on an island and learning your craft uh, is a little bit different to most situations for chefs and sort of when it's not so beautiful, the surrounds. Where where did you go from there and what was it like leaving that sort of environment? Um, yeah, it was hard. It was very hard to leave, but um, like being working in pastry, I, I really um, I, I qualified up there as a, as a chef um, in the cookery um, side and I just really 
wanted to pursue um, pastry because, um, yeah, I just loved it. I just loved the, like, the technical side, the creative side. You know, I've always been really artistic and I just loved being able to create things with food. Um, so I, need, I, I knew I needed – I wanted to um, pursue a, a qualification in pastry as well as my cookery apprenticeship. So um, I decided to move to Melbourne where, you know, all the best restaurants were and there was really some really great chefs um, here that I thought I could, like, you know, gain from and um yes i moved here to uh pursue a pastry course to qualify me uh, as a pastry chef and um at that time um i started working at phoenix um in richmond which at the time was yeah it was uh they were doing some really like um modern food it was owned by raymond capaldi and gary megan um george columbaris was the head head chef at the time so you know they were doing some really progressive food you know, things that, like, I've never never seen before, liquid nitrogen. I was introduced to the Paco Jet. You know, it was just, like, a really modern, um, awesome time. And, um, yeah, just um, it was it was quite a, like, volatile kind of, like, uh, environment, I can say that, um, which I didn't love. So I kind of uh, – I thought I'd move, move on. And I, at the time, um, Taxi Dining Room was just been awarded two hats, um, restaurant of the year so I thought you know that's that's where I, I need to be um so I got my foot in the door there as a demi in the pastry section and um yes I really love that kind of environment you know that was really positive like environment they were very supportive um really positive work culture and um yeah I just really love working there Michael Lambie did some amazing things there at Taxi Dining Room and you you worked with him do you have any stories of what it was like to work with him? Yeah, Michael Lambie was, um, yeah, very inspirational. Um, I started there, obviously, as Debbie, and he sat me down, like, I think a few months in um, and, you know, said the pastry chef's not working out. We'd really like for you to take over as head pastry chef. And at the time, I, I was no nowhere near ready, you know, like I was still quite green, you know, like, a, you know, second restaurant I've ever worked in. And I was just like, I'm not, I'm not good enough, you know. Um, and he basically said to me, you know, like to be a great, great chef um, is not just about being a great cook, you know, you need to be a great leader. Um, and he said, you know, I'll, I'll sit you down every week and I'll, I'll train you to be a good leader, like great leader. Would you like that? And I, I was just like, absolutely. So, yeah, he did that. And, um, you know, he really built the confidence in me to kind of go on from there to like um, – yeah, pursue leadership roles in pretty much um, everywhere I've gone since. So, yeah, that was a very pivotal moment in my career working with Michael Lambie. Do you, do you remember any sort of um, desserts from that period of time when you were head pastry chef for the first time that really stand out from your time at Taxi? Um, yeah, like as I said, it was like I was super green. I, I look back on desserts that I created there and, <laughs> and you know, like to see where I've kind of come like to now, it's just like, oh, well, I can't believe I was doing these things. But, you know, that like obviously is a progression in your career. You get better and better. And, um, yeah, just a, it was just a great environment and just like my eyes were open that, you, you know, such a positive um, like kitchen existed, you know, like it was just a great place to work. and. Um, yeah, it was an awesome time. You ventured over to London and spent a bit of time um, uh, with Philip Howard at the Square. What was that like? Yeah, that was great. Obviously, like, you know, um, the next step for me was to, like, you know, go and check out, like, Michelin Michelin restaurants. And um, so, yeah, I 
packed my bag and I went to London. I started off um, working in a pub, pulling beers, um, working above the pub, uh, living above the pub, sorry, and um, just until I kind of found my feet and decided where I wanted to work and where I wanted to live and whatnot. And, um, yeah, I decided on the square. You know, obviously it had such a great reputation. So many awesome chefs have come through there. And I just thought it would be a really great experience for me and um, a great thing to have on my resume. Um, so, yeah, started out, obviously, you know, when you start out, you're not allowed to do a lot of things. Uh, like I churned a lot of ice cream and made a lot of bread. And, yeah, you just kind of learn the um, like the importance of consistency and, like, discipline and just at that highest level. Um, it, yeah, it was, a like, an amazing experience. Um, but, yeah, for me, London, I, I didn't love – love London like you know the weather like it was dark all the time um you know I never had any money like it was just it was quite difficult you moved back to uh or moved to back to Australia and went to Hamilton Island for two for a couple of years uh what was that like after your sort of your time in dark moody England yeah well uh yeah I obviously I was craving the sun and in the ocean and um yeah I really needed that and um yeah this this venue was um you know like state of the art and um you know, uh, like saw where the all the where the celebrities went, and um, yeah, it was really exciting. I, I was sous chef there for a couple of years. Um, you know, just enjoying the lo- lifestyle up there, the sun and the water. Um, but yeah, then I, I I realized I needed to come back to Melbourne to kind of like build my name and you know build my career um, in in Melbourne, where you know, like the place to be, the foodies kind of capital. Um, and yeah, the the opportunity um, arose at Omnom um, to to lead the pastry section there. Yeah, so that was uh that was the opportunity of a lifetime for me. You know, going into a completely um you know it's 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 a dessert focused venue. Like um you know all of the hotel was all dessert themed. You know that they had um cherries as light bulbs, and you know the the, the bar stools were uh, licorice all sorts and. It was just, you know, all dessert kind of uh, inspired. So, um, yeah, that was like a really exciting opportunity for me. Um, and, yeah, my mind just just started going and I had like so many ideas. I, I kind of hit the ground running um, going into there. Obviously, taking over from um, Chrissy Tanya, I knew uh, I had fairly big shoes to fill. So, yeah, I didn't want to go in there or just ordinary. So, yeah, I went in there, just um, yeah, just went went crazy, just kind of like yeah, did did everything, all the ideas that I've had over the years that I you know I couldn't pull off by myself. I was able to kind of put on the menu in this venue, and um, yeah, just had heaps of fun there. That was had a really great team, and um, yeah, did, we did some really cool things, and um, yeah, that was a great experience. Uh, as you mentioned, Nom Nom was a pretty wild uh, venue and an incredible offering. Was there was there any sort of standout desserts from that period of time that you can tell us about that you created? Yeah, actually, um, I I was actually sent to Japan um, uh, through Valrona. Um, uh, of course, they they sent eight pastry chefs every year to over to the Valrona um, Academy to do a course, and you know you go around and like you know, eat a lot of Japanese food and they show you around some Michelin star restaurants. And anyway, I was introduced to the chocolate over there, um, the Valrhona Dolce. Um, so I thought I would uh, create a dish that basically I was inspired by my time in Japan. Um, so, yeah, I created this dish called the Autumn in Japan. Um, so, yeah, it was a, 
Vella and Adolce paired with popcorn, miso, mandarin, um, and we used to like create these um, autumn leaves. We'd actually forage leaves off the trees and then we'd use them as like a mold stencil for the leaves. And then so they looked really realistic and they had pocky sticks. And yeah, so that like had all the, you know, all the flavors that are kind of representative of Japan. Um, so yeah, that, that dish was probably a standout there. You'd moved away from sort of working in kitchens for a little period of time. Tell us a bit about about that and what impact it had on you. Yeah, I um I did a little bit of consulting after Omnom um for a few event um venues in Melbourne. Um, you know, just going in there, writing menus, training staff, um, yeah, creating like different experiences and um yeah, I did a few collaborations with a few restaurants and um yeah, that's really fun, obviously, like, you know, going out and networking with other chefs and other venues um, is, all, like, always a great thing. It's always super fun. So, yeah, that, that's been that's been quite fun. What lured you back into uh, the commercial kitchen? Um, well, the opportunity arose. Uh, I heard through the grapevine that um, Martin, Martin, Ben and Vicky Wild were uh, closing sepia in Sydney and moving to Melbourne to open a restaurant. Um, and I basically just, I needed to work there. I needed to work with mum and Ben. So I, yeah, I just set my mind, but I, I need to work there. So I, I got, I got in contact with Martin and we, yeah, we had a few meetings and a few catch ups and yeah, I got the position of head pastry chef at Society Lillian and Yakimono. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, obviously that was like a big step for me, um, you know, working alongside my like culinary hero, I guess, you know, he's just phenomenal. Um, and, yeah, that was like a, a really great experience um, working um, for him and for Vicky and, yeah. What, what is it about Martin Ben that inspires you so? Um, he's just like, he's just next level. Like it, he's like... His dedication and like his uh, detail, like to perfection. It's just like you know, like we'd have a very kind of uh, long, lengthy kind of uh, uh, a process behind you know creating dishes and um, yeah, like it, he we get to a point, you know, where like we'd be happy with the dish, you know, everyone's happy, it's great. And then the next day he'd come and be like, you know, like what can we do to, to make it better? Like how can we make this better, you know? So it's always like even to the point we get to the like where we're happy, it still needs to be better, you know? So it's like he was always really pushing me to, yeah, to, to find better ways to, to do better. Like so, yeah, that was quite rewarding. Um and yeah, working quite closely. I was obviously really lucky for the about a year and a half of lead up to opening the venue. Um, we worked very closely in a little test kitchen at the back of the Lucas Group office. And um, yeah, I got to obviously learn um, he, his style, like you know what he does does like and what he doesn't like, and you know how how he yeah how his kind of like thought process works. And yeah, that was obviously you know um, invaluable experience for me. He's uh, Martin's um, not necessarily a pastry chef, but he's renowned for some of his incredible desserts that were showcased at, at CPR. Um, what were some of the creations that you worked on together that, um, you know, during that period of time, maybe one or two you could tell us about? 
Um, probably, I have to say, uh, the most memorable would be the Metropolis. Um, so the flavours of the Metropolis um, came from um, a dish from CPR um, and it, it basically from the forest to the city. So it's, it was basically what we did was we got uh, the blueprints of the building that the society was built in um, and we got the mould, the chocolate mould made in Belgium uh, from the blueprints of the building. Um and we sprayed it so it kind of had that, you know, uh, sparkle of the sun, you know, like different angles. It was different colours. Um, and, yeah, so that was um, that was probably uh, the, the most fun to kind of create. A, a lot of that, um, the, the development and the testing was done at home during lockdown. We were obviously, you know, we had a very sketchy start, like ups and downs, starting, stopping, lockdowns and whatnot. And so, yeah, we took a lot of stuff home. We just did a lot of, like, testing at home. And, yeah, I, I did a lot of testing for this um, this chocolate. I have, like, blue pla- blue paint, black paint all over my backyard. And, like, yeah, glitter everywhere. And, yeah, um, but, yeah, that was fun. Tell us a little bit about your creative process. Where, where does where does the idea for a dessert begin? And, you know, where, do, where, does, it, where does it end when you've sort of finalised it? Um. I like it. I get inspiration from pretty much everywhere. Like I get obviously inspiration from nature. A lot of my dishes, you can kind of see the inspiration from like my my growing up. Like you know seafood. Like I recently did a an oyster. I made an oyster shell out of cocoa butter, and um, I built that oyster. And it, it was so realistic that, you know, people were like, they were hesitant to bite into the shell. Even when I said, you know, you can eat the whole thing, they were like, what? Like, you, you saw their faces just so confused. Um, but, yeah, obviously I, lo- I love to kind of create things that, you know, no one's ever seen and it's just like a really, like, wow factor for people. And um, I just love people's reactions. And, um, yeah, so, yeah, I kind of – I just get ideas. I've got, like, thousands of, like, little notepads with I've ideas I've like jotted down like um over the years yeah ideas come to me and then they I kind of just work through them you know sometimes they're just way out there it's like that's not gonna that's not gonna work and um you kind of just refine it you take things from different ideas and then it just kind of is bored and then you kind of just play with it and see yeah see how you can get it better that's that's kind of my process so for the for the time being you've left the restaurant world um in a in a certain way to sort of go out on your own but what are you what are your plans for the year ahead as you build your brand yeah um i'm working with a few venues um you know um consulting and working on menus for a few venues um i'm also launching uh, a dessert inspired event um called sugar theory um yeah, so we're kind of explore the um, the relationship between food and pleasure. So um, yeah, so that that will be um, launching very soon, and um, yeah, a few other things down the track. But yeah, like um, definitely a few exciting things um, in the pipeline. It's been a crazy couple of years, and particularly for those in in Melbourne as well in the hospitality sector. Has has that period of time had an impact on you and sort of your approach and what you want to get out of your career moving forward? Um, yeah, I think yeah, the, the dining scene is definitely changing, and I think you need to be um, you need to be able to adapt to um, you know the different environments and like you know the, the you know how people like go out and eat and yeah everything's kind of changing so yeah I just feel like you kind of need to just be um 
resourceful and just kind of think outside the box as far as, um, you know, experiences and dining is concerned because people want, like, you know, something different, something unique, and I think you really need to kind of keep pushing to to, to give them that, you know, um, especially in Melbourne. You, you ventured into pastry and it's been sort of, you know, a big part of your life ever since. What What is it about desserts and pastry that you love? Um, I think it's the, I think it's just the creative um, side. You can really like you really that you can. There's really no boundaries with desserts. Do you know what I mean? Um, I think I think yeah, the the creative side and it it is like art. You know, for me, um, it's kind of like you know art on a plate. Um, and I think I I you know I really love my job. I love like um, you know seeing people love my food and that. That kind of like really drives me, um, yeah, drives me forward to like to be better, um, yeah. Well, uh, you've had an impact on so many people with your creations, and look forward to seeing what emerges um, as you've stepped out on your own. Uh, Joe, it's been an honour to have you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear a part of your story. Um, please keep in touch, and we'll catch up again soon. Sweet as thanks, Hop. <laughs> This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au and be well.